Beatbox. Right. Away. Boom. Ba. Boom. Welcome back to another episode of Good Enough with Stefano Sanzo. I'm your host, Stefano Sanzo. You're my listeners, the good few. And we are doing this again, baby. Woo-wee! Had a fun, uh, had a fun little experience over the weekend. Uh, so very much my life, very much my kind of a story where, uh, the, the crazy, all the different things I'm into, you know, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of like, what is it? Maybe fish hooks out there. That's not a good way to put it. Opportunities could happen at any moment. And this was a really fun one. So I, uh, I was doing some yard work for my friend's dad for some side cash, uh, couple hours of work and i'm in my car right i'm in my car saturday i'm in my car just staring at my like dirty hands trying to figure out what the what i'm gonna do for the rest of the day uh i have all this time during you know time in the day and it's like i don't know like i guess i'll go to the gym and i get a phone call from uh from an actor friend of mine uh joe loguadice shout out to joe you're the man he hits me up and he's like what are you doing right now i'm like i don't know there's nothing just finished up working and like well, uh, you know, I have a, I'm on set over here in this movie I'm working on and the director, uh, needed, uh, needed, you know, needed a, an extra I was wondering if you want to do it. And I'm like, what? So out of absolutely nowhere, <laughs> he's like, yeah, we just got to, you know, a hour and a half. We're in Walling at one thirty. We got to be in Wallingford. So that's like an hour from right now. And I'm like, all right, that's 40 minutes away. I got to drive home still and shower, but whatever. So I just do it. And I run home, you know, I, I, I rush home and, uh, shower up. I, I, you know, and, and I get to this thing and I'm, and, and I end up, you know, doing an extra role. More importantly, you know, that, that extra role probably, you know, you you'll, even if you're watching the movie looking for me, you might not even see me. It's, it's such a quick little scene. Um, I'm not, if I'm not even staring at the camera and I'm staring at my phone, which is just so on par for me, uh, who, uh, you know, I'm obviously constantly on my phone, but uh cool part about that is I met an, I met a director who, you know, maybe that'll lead to some future work. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, that was fucking awesome, man. It was one of those, you know, uh, situations where just like knowing a lot of people pays off. Uh, you know, if something comes of it, cool. Either way, it's going to be cool in, you know, a few months when this thing is released to see my face in a movie, you know, because I like, you know, I'm an actor uh, to some degree. I act here and there. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty damn cool. But uh, moving on to our guest today. God damn, this was a fun one. Joe Garricks. Joe Garricks, a comedy friend of mine. Uh, he uh, is one of the owners of Fairfield Comedy Club who uh, put on some crazy shows uh, recently, uh, names of which, uh, you know, Bill Burr, John Mulaney, Mike Birbiglia, Birbiglia, just huge names in comedy, uh, at their comedy festival, Connecticut comedy festival they've been putting on. Uh, but yeah, had him on, you know, he's, he's a cool, he's a cool cat. He's got, uh, he's, 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 he's got an interesting, interesting story as far as being a comedian, being a local elected official, starting a comedy club, just all sorts of cool shit, man. Uh, I'm going to let you guys get into that. But uh, thank you so much, as always, for listening. Please share this with some friends. Get uh, get get the good few gr- growing a bit. Maybe one day be the good many. Who knows? But either way, whoever the hell is listening to this thing, I appreciate you. I love you. And I will see you when I see you. Episode 48 with Joe Garrix. We'll see you next time. Bye. Couldn't afford the rights to any song
enough. Oh, now we're live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're live. Is this on. thing on? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I have a question for you. I, cool. Uh, from what I followed of your career is I feel that you do you do a lot of different stuff you mm-hmm. go in a lot of different directions. I, I do that as well. Right. So I feel <laughs> like you've got uh, you've got comedy. Uh, right. You've got uh, weightlifting and mm-hmm. sports. You seem to be like very much into bodybuilding to some degree. Not active. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and then acting. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what of those three are you most passionate about? Whoo, that's a tough question. I mean, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall I try to do what I call uh, living a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. So rather than like, I don't, it, I'm never going to be a, you know, world's strongest man. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'd love to win an Oscar one day if the project comes along, but like I need to be a working actor before do you that think that's starts. All that's between you and an Oscar is just the right project. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, the delusions of an artist. <laughs> You're like, I think I say, an Oscar is in play. I say it so casually. I won't but, be the but, world's best bodybuilder. Yeah. But, but I've, I've got an outside <laughs> shot at an Oscar. <laughs> but point being, point being that whether whether I master any of the passions that I follow or not, it's the pursuit and combination of them and what they bring into my life as a person that is what make, is what keeps me winning. What what Doing those things and how they bleed into the rest of my life. Like right now, my current kick, uh, athletically speaking, is jujitsu. That's been really taking up a lot of my uh, my focus for the past like a year or so. And the confidence it's brought into my life. Like it doesn't matter if I never do a competition or never win. The amount of confidence it brought into my life is what I love about it. So to, to give any of the things that I, I do. I feel like if I did jujitsu and I never won at all. It would probably hurt. Yeah, it's really painful. It's really painful to lose a lot, but you need to. You need. But you're getting more confident the more you get your ass kicked. Yeah, but well, you start kicking a little ass. Oh, are you? So, so, how long you been doing it? Um, so a year, uh, about a year and a half. Okay. But so when I first started, so I was like when I when I started taking it more seriously, I was uh uh, before we get into all this, uh, just tell my guests who the hell you are. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were gonna do that. They don't know me. Well, (laughs) just just a quick breakdown. Just you know. I'm Joe Garrix. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so when I first started jujitsu, I came in like fresh off of a, a marathon and a strongman competition. And I've like, I, I have basically maxed out cardio and strength for any normal person. Nobody has to be, nobody has to run as far or be as strong as I am. So I'm, I feel like a tough motherfucker and I'm just getting my ass kicked by people who are like 60 pounds lighter than me and I'm like what the fuck is going on and for the first time in my life I'm really feeling humbled by a thing you know what I mean so Oh, sorry, I feel humbled all the time. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I feel humbled for constantly. the first time. But I'm saying, that like, explains the Oscar comment. Right, I'm such, a, you know. <laughs> but uh, so, so yeah, the uh, keeping this massive ego in check is what really the passion is about. Because like, so you're just trying to make confirm what you think of yourself. Exactly, exactly, and uh, yeah. So, so that's what's great about jujitsu. Do you find just, the jujitsu helps with any of the performing arts stuff? Um, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. In general, like it's the most difficult thing. Like you it, get a heckler and now you just beat the fuck out of him. Right, right. Well, like <laughs> it's it's nice to know. It's nice to know finally that I can because I've never been in a fight. So at least now I know I could handle it to some degree. I'd be able to control it. So if I need like muscle, can I call you? Yeah, 
Yeah, whatever. Okay, I mean, I'm like people do that all the time. Constantly in the need of muscle. Right. Yeah. I'm always like, shit. I wish I had my muscle with me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be like my nickname as like your 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 sidekick. Hey, muscles, yeah. get them. You'd be my muscle slash hype man. <laughs> and yeah, that's I'm well. That's that's where my true you know true expertise is. It's just energy. I have so much you, of it. Yes. So I want to. I I need I need a channel to just like. I've been looking it. for like white lines on this. Table. No, I've never done cocaine. Well, because I what a bad idea it would be. You know it what would, I mean? Yeah. I just assumed you. Yeah. Always Most work. people assume that I do <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I just have this. Fun. It's a combination of ADHD and uh, I, I guess that's maybe it. Enthusiasm. You combine the two. Yeah. You combine the two, and that's uh, that's what you get. But you're reserved. You keep it together. You um, and you're also looking I'm great. You're, you, oh. you know. Well, I'm saying, I'm like, looking great. You yeah. you're looking fucking fantastic. I know that you were a lo- probably when I met you a couple of years ago. Uh, you were a little bit on the sloppy side, and you were you were you. Were, <laughs> The fuck is this? I'm telling you. <laughs> Welcome to Good I Enough. I thought it was going to be a compliment, and then you just like start oh, being like, but when oh, I first met oh, you, you've never you were physically <laughs> disgusting. I uh, you've never heard of my uh, most of my most of my compliments are really just insults and yeah, vice versa. It's fuck? it's a real it's a real one well, to two thing. <laughs> Thanks for that. No, I'm saying you look fucking fantastic right now, and I'm just—I'd like to know what's working out for you at the moment. Uh, you know what's working out for me is not having to commute to the city uh, three times a week, which puts uh, an extra uh, twelve hours in my week. So now instead of being able to only work out on weekends, I'm able to work out uh, every day during the week, pretty much. Awesome. And, and what's uh, what's working out? What is working out for you? Like like you say, working out, what does it refer to? Vigorous masturbation. Nice. Mainly. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. noticed one of your arms was I really pretty huge. So, I so not to, much of a switch. I try to use them both. Okay. I okay. Do. Although you know, left is sometimes around the back. Right. Um, Impressive. Yeah. So more flexibility there, but mu- less muscular. Right. So that that's the majority of it. No, I uh, I run. Uh, I do some uh, hit workouts. I've been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a TRX. Hit going. is high intensity interval training for the uninformed, unenthused, un. And yeah, it's uninitiated. It's not initiated. me just hitting someone. Right, right. <laughs> I just punch the wall I until I look hot. Whatever I can see. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been doing that, and it's just like steadily doing that. And my diet's a lot better. You know, uh, my wife is a nutritionist, and she's kind of given me some uh, <laughs> guidelines. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm eating better. I'm healthier. And, yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, dietarily speaking, what's what like what what ended up. Cause, cause to get in shape, I, I've noticed not only did you, you, you got in shape, but you're staying in shape. You've maintained, you know, maintained shape for a while, which is the hard part. I'm good at like getting into a routine and sticking with it. Yeah. So like when I'm doing anything, like when I made dietary adjustments, kind of like the more over the top it is or the more, more hard line it is, the better it is when it's kind of like a loose format or like, Oh, moderate. Moderation yeah, doesn't don't, work for don't me. Give... It's like, oh, don't drink at all. I can do that. If it's like, oh, just drink moderately. I'm like, okay. And then like a week later, I'm like, I'm hammered. Yeah, the um, floodgates open up for me. Yeah. yeah. So that, that that's why I'm just, you know, I, I've been doing, you know, just every day I'm going to work out and, you know, I got the time to do it. So it's working. Hell thanks yeah. for noticing. Absolutely. And uh, I, I noticed it, it becomes easiest when it, it almost becomes kind of like breathing where like, it, I'm not forcing myself to work out. I work out. Just like I have to walk to my car to start my car to get to the grocery store. There's no, there's no, I don't get my groceries without me going on that walk. Like I, I have to work out. It's just part of my day. Yeah. And, uh, which really helped. Like I've noticed that maybe in, in the past couple of years that 
yeah, I'm just kind of there. It's, it's automatic. You know, people ask like, how, how are you so disciplined? I'm like, it's not disciplined. Like you're asking me how I, you're literally asking me, how do you breathe? How is that possible that you breathe every day? Yeah. Well, no, it's good that you do that. Cause a couple of years ago you looked kind of sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There it is. Right. <laughs> but I agree. I agree. I was once big sloppy fat bitch, but, um, you know, it <laughs> um, but, uh, something I did want to talk about, uh, with you today, because yeah, you are one of those people who does a bunch uh, so as well as a comedian, you, uh, what was it last year or year before got elected into a local, uh, local position? Yeah. Last year, uh, I was elected. I ran for the second time last year for town council in Trumbull and, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be elected. So I've been sitting on the town council for, uh, almost one year now. Very cool. Yeah. What does that entail? Like, uh, do you actually get to weigh in on things heavily or, or, so, uh, you know, there's there's 21 members of the town council and we basically vote on any kind of, you know, legislative issues for the town. You know, we uh, we don't develop a budget, but we approve it and make edits to it. Um, so, you know, we do appointments to different commissions and, you know, committees within the town. Um, so, you know, I yeah, I, I have a voice, you know, I, I'm part of, you know, the Democratic caucus. Mm -hmm. um, because Republicans are evil, uh, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> right. And uh, we are, uh, we're kind of in the driver's seat right now. We have, uh, you know, 14 uh, of the 21 seats belong to our, our caucus. So, you know, we can kind of drive the bus, but also everyone within that caucus has a voice. Yeah. We're, we're kind of, you know, compromise amongst ourselves. And, you know, I, uh, you have as much of a voice as you choose to have, right? You can very easily sit back and kind of go with, whatever direction things are going or you mm, can say hey that's interesting you know i'm gonna take a stand on this and i've i've taken stands i've you know said I'm, i wasn't gonna vote with the caucus on things i've pushed the caucus in you know different directions you know you don't want to you can't do that all the time you know you right know, but you know it's, it's politics it's compromise but yeah I've, i feel like i have a voice and it's been a, it's been a great experience that's really cool man and do you find that uh well your comedy pursuits ever interfere with it no, I have made a commitment to comedy um, and to just being my genuine self no matter what. So, you know, running for town council will probably be the extent of my political career uh, because, you know, every weekend I'm, you know, on stage talking about how I love weed. And yeah, how, that's a good and point. how I hate Trumbull. Right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so and I'm what I'm doing on stage, I'm always going to do. I'm not going to adjust that, uh, for a political career. If I, you know, am voted out at any point because of that, I mean, I don't care. You know, comedy right. is going to come first. The only, the only restraints I put on my comedy are, you know, discussing anything that might make my wife uncomfortable. But outside of that, everybody else can go fuck themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, I mean, that's really the one person that you have to please, right? At the end of the day. Gotta try. Yeah. Gotta try at least. Very cool, man. Uh, so, Wow. All right. So we we are releasing this before. I guess this will come out like right before the election. How are There's you? An election? <laughs> Another one? I, I ran last. Year. I rarely talk about politics on this thing, and I probably won't brush on it too long. But I kind of feel like I have to just because I. Uh, it's a big one. <laughs> one of the you know I probably the most historical year I ever lived through. Yeah, yeah. In my lifetime, this has been the most historical year. So the fact that it's capping with a an Amer you know an American presidential election. I just, I'd feel weird not at least acknowledging a little bit, but like, yeah, where are you at with that? <laughs> well, as you probably gathered from my earlier statements, uh, I am going to be voting for the Democratic candidate for president and would have voted for whoever the Democratic candidate uh, for president was. Uh, it's Biden, which, you know, you could do 
a lot worse. And mm-hmm. you certainly have the option to do a lot worse in November. So no. that's my plan. And I'm hoping it's a, a clear landslide victory. And I hope we can, as a country, get away from this electoral college horse shit uh, and uh, drive this fucking fascist out of office. As, I mean, I agree as far as like, yeah, I'm totally voting uh, blue. And uh, I would love to see Donald Trump leave office. Although I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that he could win. But before you move on to that, I, I did want to talk because you mentioned the electoral college. As badly as I want it to go, I don't want the electoral college around. It it, it made sense when it was put in place. Maybe but. I don't know if it did. Um, it certainly does not make sense now. It is Absolutely not, not democratic. Um, it's it's disgusting and it's vile and it you know every other position is determined by popular vote right and the fact that the biggest decision that we as voters make is not determined that way uh, is ridiculous but there is an effort uh, called the uh, national uh, popular vote compact or something like that I'm, I'm blanking on what the exact name is but what it is is going state by state to get states to decide every state gets to determine how their electoral votes are are determined right mm-hmm. So most states go winner-take-all, which is part of the problem with the Electoral College. If Ohio goes 51-49, all their electoral votes go because of that 1% edge to whoever wins. Right. Um, other states will break it up based on the breakdown. But what the uh, the National Popular Vote Compact, or whatever it's called, is, is states are determining that they will actually award their electoral votes to whoever wins the national popular vote. So that's, and there's, I think maybe like, maybe like 15 or 17 states that have already signed on to this. And we don't even need to get every state to sign on. You only need to get, uh, I think enough states to get over 270 electoral votes. Mm -hmm. And then once that happens, it'll always be determined by popular vote. So that's like the best effort that we have to kind of undo this right now. Right. Um, But it's a problem. And there's, you know, the problem is there's a lot of different battles to, Mm -hmm. to fight. You got to fight that. We're so damn busy. You got to fight voter disenfranchisement. And those are just the ones, you know, and then you have to fight, you know, money and politics. And those are just the ones about how the decisions get made. Then you have other things to worry about, like, you know, systemic racism and climate change, you know, and the economy and that stuff, you know, ends up being determined by people who are doing a better job of like breaking the rules or, you know, cheating the system. Right. Yeah. I, um, see the way I see the electoral college, it seems a lot of people hate it when they're the people who lost to it. And I, I can't imagine winning via the electoral college. You lose the popular vote, but win with electoral votes and then having the power to change it but being the person who, but being the party who most recently benefited from it, its existence, I don't see the, uh, I, I don't see the motivation to try. Well, to you know, make again, it and it's not going to disappear. Be, yeah, I mean, it it depends, and you know, certainly keeping up that energy and and push for it, regardless of who wins, is important. You know, it is something that used to be and, and should be. Um, you know, bipartisan, but since mm-hmm. Republicans have been winning based on electoral wins and not popular wins for the past, you know, 20 years, at least the elections they've won, um, or supposedly won, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's, there's less interest on their end. That said, it can be achieved without, you know, national politics, even right. brought into it. It can be achieved on the state level. Yeah, so. no, that was, that was quite uh, what you explained earlier. I had not, uh, I had not even knew was an initiative, Yeah, but, uh, as far as like the winner of this election, what you uh, what you were saying like supposed 
I'm, I, I'm thinking a lot about how this is going to be counted. And I think so many, we're all used to getting, you know, getting a decision on election night and it doesn't seem that's happening this year. I think, yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be tough, especially because you have all these absentee votes in light of COVID. There's going to be a lot of counting. So I don't think we'll have, you know, a clear answer on a lot of the states, particularly the ones that are going to be, you know, close ones. So, you know, I, I don't expect an answer on election night. I'm hoping a week after election night, we'll have some clarity. I'm also hoping it's enough of a blowout that, you know, there's less pushback, you know, because that asshole is going to try to stay in office no matter what the fuck. Yeah, I, I I, think about that a lot. Just as a guy, you know, the, this iron fist tyrant style that he's, you know, that he's privy to. I, I just don't see him being like, well, I had a good run, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, look, honestly, like if they have to drag him out in a body bag, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Maybe edit that out. Uh, <laughs> Lou, uh, just to, uh, yeah, if you could just make sure that my guest is not uh, domestic. <laughs> Terrorist. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but moving on to some lighter stuff, you were saying, uh, I think uh, off air, you were saying that you recently bought a guitar. I did, yeah. And uh, I uh, I really appreciate So, So you bought it as artwork, you said. I bought it as artwork um, because it's a Tom Morello guitar and I'm yeah. a Tom Morello fan. And it was just too nice of an instrument not to play. Um, so I, I started playing and I play guitar every day. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hoping you don't f- like fuck yourself up as far as learning on such an awesome guitar because uh I, I feel like maybe you're like spoiling yourself i don't know like I've, I've heard that really good guitar like really good guitars are so easy to play maybe like you won't be learning i don't find it that easy to play no so maybe I, just suck. <laughs> I don't know i it seems like i can't a lot of, it seems like a lot of work to i'm play pr- it. i'm pretty musically inclined and i cannot get i i do not have the finger dexterity to play notes on a guitar i try so damn hard i've tried to learn guitar several times and i could i can never get past c which every single song i would be writing would have a c chord in it and i'm like well that's that's the end of that story yeah that c's a real bitch it's a real bitch it's a real bitch i mean i don't think i yeah well you know i just have a very easy guitar to play c on so yeah is that right Uh. (laughs) well i mean it's not i just and then you compare it to like piano where it's just I press a button and a note happens. Yeah. But it's uh, uh you know, there's similarities, but no guitar is challenging. I don't I don't think my guitar is that easy to play. It's intricate. There's a lot of stuff going on with it. Mm-hmm. Um but I enjoy it and it's you know, it's fun to work on and it relaxes me and I have fun and Which is really important when it comes to hobbies. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's... Yeah, generally you don't want to have a hobby that you hate. Uh, I think a lot of people do. Really? <laughs> I think a lot of people will do shit that causes them no- nothing but stress. And I'm like, I'm not it's sure. Called chores. Not yeah. yeah, yeah, and maybe that's what it is. They end up, uh, they end up turning a hobby into a chore. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not a chore to me. I do it every day. It's a routine, and I like it. You know, like working out. You know, yeah. Each day, I'm a big man of routine as well. Uh, as much as I do so many things, I'm able to do them because I have a pretty regimented way that I go about my you know my life and my schedule so like while it seems like i don't have time for a thing it's like well i'm able to make time because i have such rigid slots that i could just kind of move around like i as as much as i have you know as much time as i spend working out as much time as i spend at my job pretty much anything that i enjoy i'll be able to make time for because i have it opened up that way but but at the same time sometimes it feels like i'm just moving i I get out of bed and i don't stop moving until like 10 30 at night like when i'm back in bed (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty tapped out now. I've got between, you know, uh, guitar and working out and full-time job and then, and, uh, you know, comedy club. I was just going to say, I can't believe we didn't even touch on it yet. But, yeah, the comedy club that you started with yeah. with, with, uh, with Look the at us Beecher. Now. Yeah. Um, so this is a pretty damn 
crazy story with uh, just bring us back to the beginning. This Fairfield Comedy Club, yeah, right? So um, whose idea? Where does it start? So, um, I don't want to take all the credit, uh, but all the credit is really due to me. Thank you. Uh, yes, please. No, I, uh, so what happened was I moved back to Connecticut, uh, about four years ago. I'd been doing stand up in the city for about 10 years. And my big concern with moving back to Connecticut was like, where am I going to perform? Uh, because we have a lot of stage time opportunities in New York, but not so much in Connecticut. So I'd always produced my own shows uh, while I was in New York. That's always been, you know, I've always thought you need to be your own gatekeeper. You got to provide your own stage time. Agreed. Uh, so that's how I did it. Uh, so I came to Connecticut and I wanted to do a show here. And uh, I'd actually started, um, I, I'd done a, a couple shows I produced with Emilio Savone, who is the owner of uh, the New York Comedy Club. And he's from Connecticut as well. We went to high school together. So did Beecher. So basically, um, you know, the three of us started talking about like, oh, let's start a room. And we had done a Fairfield Prep uh, alumni show at the Circle Hotel in Fairfield. And that had been successful. So as we were looking for rooms, I talked to uh, the owner of the hotel, uh, Ed Gormley, who's a, a good buddy of mine from high school. And he's like, oh, well, why don't you just do it here? And I was like, oh, that, that could work. And, you know, we started doing it. We started to, like, turn their lobby into you know, a showroom every Friday night and Saturday night for, like, a show. Or actually, I think we started with Saturday night, one show. And then we started doing two shows on Saturday. And then we started doing uh, three shows, one Friday, two Saturday. And then we're doing four every Friday and Saturday. And we were, you know, getting great names, you know, off the bat, thanks mainly to Emilio and his relationships. We had Pete Davidson in our first month. Uh, you know, we had Artie Lang, but we always had just excellent comics. We've always For had. For sure. And it's, sure. it's a fun room. You've, you've performed there. You know, it's, it's weird. It doesn't seem like it should be a good room, but it, it's always fun. Um, it really is. Yeah. yeah. So we did that. Um, you know, a couple years, and then two years ago, we were coming up on our second year anniversary, and uh, we talked about doing a Connecticut comedy festival, uh, mainly, honestly, to draw attention to our club. Of course, uh, yeah. It was, you know, a, a promotion stunt, and we, you know, we did uh, last year our first one in April of uh, 2019, and we had shows in Bridgeport at the Bijou Theater and the Wall Street Theater in Norwalk we'd started working with. We'd done shows at Penfield Pavilion uh in fairfield mm -hmm. so we you know we did like a nice little four-day festival and it was super fun and then we we're going to do that again this april and then everything you know just stopped um and then in june or july we started doing shows at the circle again outdoors so we started to use their backyard and did socially distanced uh outdoor shows and, and for those you not following comedy uh you you would know that pretty much not most comedy clubs were shut down indefinitely everything yeah everything in the especially area, at this time indoors, that you're talking about june july you know, like, there's not a lot of new there's not a lot of connecticut indoor stuff besides us we haven't you know we've been able to do outside so we're not doing indoors new york has you know some outdoor rooftop shows a lot of which uh, you know emilio and his team at new york comedy club are doing um but but there's not a lot so we were kind of one of the few games in town and you know we we did our our first show we did one show as a drive-in uh, actually off the balcony of the hotel. And then we started using their like lower field and setting up a tent and people just come and sit down picnic, picnic style, all spaced out. And we did a show and, you know, we, we have a great photographer, um, Rosa Miller who shot the show and, you know, so we get great pictures on Instagram. So we put them up. And then, uh, a couple days after the first show, uh, I get a call from Mike Berbiglia, uh, and Mike is, uh, if you don't know him, he's, you know, one of the best comics alive. He's and, Mount Rushmore. He's, yeah. He's, he's one of, one of the big ones. He's, yeah. yeah. He's fantastic. Um, so he and I went to college together and, um, Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I used to see him in the improv troupe when he was in the improv troupe with like Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. And oh, all right. Awesome. Um, 
so, you know, but we, we'd stayed in touch and I've, you know, always been a big fan of his and followed his career. And, you know, we had done one show together at the Westport Country Playhouse in February. So he calls me out of the blue and is like, hey, you know, I see your show. What are you doing there? And I'm like, oh, you know, here's what we're doing. He's like, oh, I'd, I'd kind of be interested. Would you mind if I came and like, you know, checked it out? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, right. come. So uh, the next Saturday he shows up and he's like, oh, um, I, got, I got a buddy of mine with me. We're just going to lay low. Um, he's like, I don't want to say anything, uh, but it's John Mulaney. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Birbiglia and Mulaney roll in and they're, they sit at the top of the hill and they watch, you know, part of our show. And, you know, after Mike's like, you know, uh, well, I think I want to do a show here. I was like, okay. It's like, <laughs> whatever you want, sir. So Seinfeld and Conan O'Brien come hanging out. No, like, what? That's <laughs> insanity, dude. It just casually brings by, like, no, no, not to take anything away from Mike Birbiglia, one of the biggest names in comedy, but. John Mulaney is one of those comedians that people who are not into comedy know John Mulaney. How big Mulaney is! It is like, un- it's So, nuts. so I'm a uh, you know of the many things that I've tackled over the past few years. Uh, I I became a theater kid, right? Wasn't born a theater kid, but I became one because I just really int- I like acting. And I'll tell you, John Mulaney is huge in the theater kid circle. They quote him better than anyone I've ever heard Every, in my life. Everybody knows him now. Everybody loves him, and it's not it, it's crazy like the size of it, but it's not crazy that he's he's hilarious. He's like one of the funniest people alive, if not the funniest person. His, his comedy is untouchable. It's just his timing, his writing, his hit. You know, he's uh, it's not per- nothing particularly dirty. Just if if a perfect comedian could exist. I, I might give it to John Mulaney. He's yeah, he's he's clearly, you know, one of the best, if not the best. So, right. uh So he so he brings John Mulaney through. So yeah, so then he, you know, Birbiglia does a show and he's like, okay, I'm gonna do it, you know, is like uh he does these shows working it out where it's kind of yeah. like him like practicing his material. So he's like, Oh, we'll call it working outside and I'll have like a special guest. So, you know, he, he did a show and his special guest on the first show was Mulaney and everybody was like flipping the fuck out. Yeah. That def- um, and and I'm, I imagine the word of mouth on that, the social media, everything was crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's obviously great, you know, attention for us to have, and right. to, you know, have guys of that stature, you know, in our backyard. Um, and around that time, we'd also been talking about trying to do the festival. Cause we're like, well, we have kind of a short run here. We can do these shows now, but we don't know what the winter is going to look like. Should we just do it now? Yeah. And we decided to basically do it over the course of September. Um, and we did it, you know, and, and Mike continued to do those shows with us, which is great. Basically, like every week. He's yeah, I went to one of them. Been there and he's fantastic. They've all been great. He's yeah. had Michael Ian Black and Chris Gethard, you know, come and guest as well. Um, so, yeah, so it, that's all been fantastic. But that also opened the door to a lot of the other you know, bigger names that we got. Cause now we're like, Oh, you know, here's what we're doing. And like, you know, Mike Birbiglia has done it, you know, right, yep, now absolutely. It's, it's not, you know, kind of brings us to another level and, you know, over the festival, we had one week where we had, uh, Mike Birbiglia on uh Tuesday. I think we had Hassan Minaj on Thursday. Uh, we had Ronnie Chang on Saturday. Uh, Jeez. Oh no, wait, sorry. Monday was Birbiglia. Tuesday was Bill Burr. Thursday was the Sunday Oh, you oh you forgot that one. Saturday was Ronnie Chang. <laughs> Just casually forget one. Yeah, of, how do you forget that one? Of the whoever doesn't know John Mulaney knows Bill Burr. You those two cover literally the entire planet. <laughs> and then and then we had Brian Regan. On oh Sunday. my God. Yeah. So that that was incredible. And then this past weekend, um, we had another great weekend. We had uh, Mulaney on Friday. Uh, we had Dave Attell on Saturday, and then we had Daryl Hammond yesterday. Just com- comedy gods. Yeah. Com- been- Absolutely. Absolute comedy gods. Yeah, and, it's been nuts. Um, it's been like I never would have. I I felt going into this year that this was going to be a big year 
for us comedically. Like I felt like, okay, this is going to be the year. Like I put a little more into this, Yeah, you know, kind of take a leap and then everything happened. I'm like, Oh, I guess this is over. And (laughs) now I'm like, Holy shit. Like I never would have figured that it would get to this level. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, I always was, yeah, always was a fan of Fairfield comedy club. Uh, you know, I, I, I worked, I actually, you know, worked a couple of nights for you guys just doing the, uh, the, the, the pre-show changeover from a hotel lobby yeah. to a comedy club, which just as a person who produces some of my own shows, I find fascinating that like you walk into the place, it is a hotel lobby and just a, a couple hours of work and it is a full on comedy club. And uh, yeah, the show's always been great, but like, you know, to, to think that you got, you know, within a few months really, or a year, you guys would be getting these kind of names. It's, awesome and it's like it's not like you could unget them you know like those forever go on your record like yeah yeah Yeah. we we had that kind of a week you know what i mean no and you know we've got some plans to kind of uh keep things going we've got um you know we've got some venues that we can operate in the winter spaced out so that's good yeah we're booking some stuff i don't know if you know in sports and trumbull uh yeah i've heard of it yeah. yeah it's like a rec center but they have like a football field that's totally enclosed and we're gonna do shows fucking genius style 150 people spaced out that's such High a ceilings. good idea, dude. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna keep rolling. There's you know the festival itself was ending this week. We have Verbiglia for the last time on Wednesday, uh, which will probably I guess be before this comes out. Um, but yeah, we're gonna continue to do shows. You know, in Connecticut, we've got some options. We'll be in Middlefield, Connecticut, at Powder Ridge Ski Resort. They have like a, a heated tent that we can do and kind of keep it open air a bit. Um, Hell yeah, dude. So yeah, we're we're finding ways to survive. That's awesome. Yeah, the one one. You know, so obviously the pandemic is terrible, but you know, when, when, when we are forced to deal with stuff, innovation is also forced. And it's interesting to see like how comedy is, you know, comedy 2.0 is going to be in the future. Cause it did open up all, you know, I, I feel like outdoor shows used to be a little taboo because oh yeah we, we comedians get so stuck up on this idea that it's got to be low ceilings it's got to be a club it's got to be this you kind would, of a thing we that's what we thought that's what we convinced ourselves ago, someone asked you to do an outdoor daytime comedy show you'd be like mm, out of your fucking mind no way out of your and, fucking mind you know now it has become an adapt or die thing audiences are more open to it you know they they understand that this is not the ideal atmosphere for it but they're just happy you know to be alive exactly <laughs> um so uh so it's yeah it, it, it's been great and i and i think outdoor comedy can survive like i think you know regardless of how things play out you know we can keep doing outdoor comedy i, I think it, it it has a future it's been proven you know that it's doable and, and certainly it'll be nice to be back indoors and in clubs again but you know we don't know when that'll be or when it'll be like it was yeah. you know because even indoors spaced out part of a comedy club is like you're stuck in there and you're like you know, reacting to how the audience reacts. Right. Um, you know, you're going to lose some of that with, with the social distancing, which is fine. You know, I, <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll be, I'm happy with comedy in whatever format we can safely do it. Um, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, and I'm sure we'll have to adapt some more, you know, we're, we're, we, we don't know exactly what the future looks like. Yeah. But, no, nobody knows what the winter is, but I feel for, confident for that comedy will last yeah like at first comedians like, are cockroaches work? but even yeah. when we did like yeah, we're zoom not... shows yeah i was so impressed with like the talent and like their ability to like be funny and make that work because like it feels like a work call and then you have just like fantastic people making it really fun and funny. right no i mean the true art form of adaptation the performance art form of adaptation like yes improv is pretty huge but a lot you have other people on stage to help you carry the weight you have a lot of 
you know, you, you have all these premises that the audience helps you with, but like, there's something about comedy. It's like, it's you, it's just you out there. There's so many different minds in comedy that like have this, it's just me out there. I have to innovate. I have to deal with this situation right now. You didn't have to deal with a person having a seizure during your set. I did like it's, it's every single set is completely different. So I, I think there's just so much innovation into that. It was bound to be, you know, kind of the thing that came out on top during all this, you know, on top of just needing less to put on a comedy show. Um, you know, it's just a mic, just a mic and a person. Yeah. Well, that's one of the advantages of stand up is it's, you know, there's not a lot of production that goes into it. It's, nope. it's easy. It's movable. Uh, you know, that said, there's, there's a lot less comedy. It's, it is very tough. There's a lot of, you know, talented performers who are getting less opportunities. The fact that, you know, we're getting names like, you know, Verbigli and Mulaney and Burr means that a lot of the excellent headliners that we would normally have, you know, have not had the opportunities they would normally have with us. Right. Um, you know, so while that's been, you know, good for us, it's, it's overall tough, you know, and, and these big names obviously are making, you know, less than they would have made, you know, selling out theaters. So, oh yeah. You know, there, there's still like a real hit and, you know, comedy is surviving, um, you know, but, but it's, it's challenging times, I think still. Mm-hmm. One, one uh, fortunate thing about comedy and uh, COVID is that I don't think there's been a new stand up comedian this year which is great because my God, you know, the, just, just the amount. Yeah. I think it's going to force a lot of people out. Like there's going to be like less opportunity. So I think you'll see the people who are, you know, sticking it out and still doing comedy, you know, are going to become, you know, stronger and hopefully it'll be like a cream rises to the top kind of situation. I agree. Um, Yeah. Not that I consider myself part of the cream, but uh, not sure I like that sentence at all. Saying it back in my head, I'm just like, yeah, yeah it's, well, it's a little. You got a, you got an editor. You can. Yeah, right. No, it's, I'm gonna leave it in. But oh, I just... are you? <laughs> okay, your call. An editor, but uh, <laughs> producer produces. Producer. Uh, yeah. But uh, you could talk a little about. Uh, you see, so you have a little podcast your 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 own that uh, I do, do, although it's been slightly defunct. Um, so I have the it's a hustle podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where it, it, basically I talk to comics or other artists just about how they you know, find a career. Cause I feel everybody in comedy or any art, you go into it thinking like, Oh, here's the path. Like, Oh, I do this for a few years. Then, you know, I'll eventually like get a TV spot or do an album and then I'll do clubs. Then, you know, but there's no path. There's no standard, uh, expectation. So I think it's just fun to kind of keep them short and casual, which they are. And, you know, honestly, like half the time I'm just high and having fun. Um, <laughs> but I did stop once, you know, I usually would do stuff at the club you know, in between shows and just knock them out with whoever our headliners were. Uh, I, I did stop. I did a few episodes with about the Connecticut comedy festival. Uh, and I meant to keep doing it. And then I've since gotten lazy again. I, I mean, not lazy. I just, yeah, I wouldn't know, say I'm, lazy. I'm pulled in like, you know, 50 different directions. Yeah. You do day. a lot of shit. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but I, I should be, my producer is definitely on me that I need to, to do more shows. Right. Um, so I got to do that, but, uh, you know, they're out there. There's a lot of, had a lot, had a lot of great chats and, you know, there's a, there's a deep library for anyone who's not sick of me already. Yeah. <laughs> that's w- one thing that's really cool about a podcast. Uh, whether I'm, whether or not there was even an audience, like whether or not anyone is actually listening, the, the art, not even art, the act, the act of sitting down with somebody and just talking is, uh, is is lost you, you you don't get it you know you don't you don't really get it much um yeah, outside of the media we haven't looked at our phones for like a half hour right so. right oh i mean me just to uh monitor the time but yeah as far yeah. as like i need that i need that desperately i don't know about you but i'm like feverishly addicted to my phone 
and I need things to get me the hell off. Yeah, it. no, I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm on mine nonstop too. It's, uh, it, it is nice not to be on the phone. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's amazing how they so slyly created a world of, of hardcore addicts. Oh yeah. It's, it's not like, it's not like a casual addiction. It's something that you are constantly getting. It is everybody everybody right, yeah. I, I you know I, I would love I don't know if there's like studies done on what mass addiction can do to a society because I don't think there's ever been anything quite we are the study yeah yeah it's true it's true uh, quite comparable maybe sugar maybe sugar's up there sugar is a bad one. Oh yeah sugar's, especially in this country a bunch of fat fuckers dying it's true. And shit and... it's true a bunch of fat fuckers <laughs> and, and dying and, and, and shit meanwhile like everybody's like no one's like oh i'll stop eating sugar it's like that's like the first thing you should do about any medical issue all I of don't it care what medical issue you have oh have you cut out sugar right no do that you're you're you have your high blood pressure low blood pressure uh, uh mental stuff whatever the hell it yeah. is uh yeah Cancer, no like everything the the amount of sugar that is in the things like I I've eaten so many things where I'm like this could be so much less sweet that doesn't need like, this is not good sweet I've have you ever eat something that has the right amount of sugar in it where it's just like you eat it and you're like oh oh this is like a reasonable flavor in my mouth it's not baked ice cream is the greatest thing you can ever eat really uh that's uh who this Ben and Jerry's is it somebody specific or it's just the name of one it's uh it's uh a mix of chocolate and vanilla with chocolate chip cookie dough and fudge brownies. That's pretty serious. Mixed in. And it's like, there doesn't need to be other flavors of ice cream. Yeah. Try, try it and, and tell I, me if you ever want to eat a different ice cream. I don't cream know yet. if that's a good idea for me. Just, just to, it, the way that you described it, I'm like, I don't know if I want to introduce something that like that. And remember earlier we were talking about cocaine. Like I don't want to, cause I'm afraid of what, what, what would come, how much I would like it. Cause I, we, we weren't talking about cocaine before. No. <laughs> come on man i already struggle with manic no i'm just kidding but um i'm just saying sometime give it a shot if you like ice i cream. will if next you're gonna time, have ice cream get that next time uh next time i'm going to buy ice cream rather than buy the fake stuff like i'll do halo top but i know it's not what's halo top? you don't know about halo top no. wow that's all right so to blow your mind a bit but it's uh, a really good ice cream. It's going to be right next to ice cream. In fact, it'll probably be right next to Ben and Jerry's. Um, it's ice cream, but not really. It's it it's it's practically like eating a protein shake. So, but it it just doesn't hit the same way. Yeah. But I mean, I like it a lot. I think it's tasty. But um, you know, they they I, th- I think there's like zero to no sugar, mm. uh, close to close to no sugar in a pint of it. What makes it sweet? Uh, I be- well, it's like some. Sp- I, I probably. I don't stevia. I don't want to say stevia because it doesn't taste like stevia. Uh, probably something like monk fruit or xylitol or one of those. Like, hmm. th- there are better things than stevia or, or, um, like sugar alternatives. That's the only other thing is like most of the sugar alternatives are worse for you than sugar. Yeah, like yeah, they're pretty bad. Like, oh, I don't have sugar. I have sweet and It's like okay, idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't want. That. I drink diet coke. Also, oh, does not taste good. It's not worth it. Like. That's just a different addiction. Too. Yeah. 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 Being addicted to non-sugars. That's that another thing uh, I've noticed about. So, so you, so you drink something that's not, um, that doesn't actually have sugar in it, but it tastes sweet. That keeps you addicted to sugar. You're yeah. still craving sugar like crazy because you never, you know, y- you got to get that taste out of your mouth. You got to get that, that th- those receptors got to stop getting hit, even though your body's not processing sugar, which is still better. I, I think overall, but, um, yeah, the, to have that mental addiction to sugar. It's crazy. It's, yep, widespread. And I notice, like, every time, like, I'm usually pretty good about monitoring the way that I eat throughout the week. It's, you know, I go off the rails on the weekends. But um, 
I noticed like the minute, so, so like I'll, I'll go no sugar three, four days. There's like nothing sweet. And then the minute I have like something sweet, something sugary, it just comes barreling back. Like, like one little M&M leads to a pack leads to just, I'm just oh, yeah. eating handfuls of them because that, that shit is so addictive. I don't know what the hell it is. Well, that's the good thing about half baked is it comes in a pint. And once that pint's gone, do you work gone. for Ben and Jerry's? I should. <laughs> I should. I could use another job. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. I um, I don't know. So, so like, the weight, like where where you used to eat, like fucked up. Was it just because of the weed? Just because like munchies or? No, no. I um, you know, I just never thought about it. I never saw a nutritionist. It, you know, I I didn't have an understanding of you know the danger of sugar and you know other inflammatories. And... But you knew y equals mx plus b squared. What? <laughs> no, no. I have this whole like, I feel like the nutrition should be one of the things that we learn in our you know eighteen years of required schooling. But they don't want you to learn it. Why would because they? Because they have an industry based on sugar and poisoning you. They, so. they. That's an interesting one to follow. Like, like you think the you think that you think that trickles down into like the oh American God, educational like, system. Are you kidding me? You remember the food pyramid? What the fuck? Is I that cannot shit? believe that shit was real, dude. It's, I was taught the food pyramid. It's insane. They're like, eat five loaves of bread before lunch. It's crazy. The, the amount like, of carbohydrates they were telling you is okay to eat. And the, the just where they were with me and veg. Oh my God. No, it was, it's nuts. So yeah. And, and it's all driven. It's we're in a capitalist society. If you think it's being driven by anything other than, Who's paying who? You're you're fooling yourself. Yeah. So. I mean, if and it's not that hard a formula. Like it would be so easy to t- literally if you're like eat meat and vegetables, you will get laid. Like if you just taught that to to like like middle schoolers, if you taught that to high schoolers, like like you think you, we should tie it more to sex? Absolutely for the, for the kids. That's well, you not think we should be telling middle school kids not to eat sugar so they can fuck more. All right. So when you when this you is a, this is a great plan. You when got. when you say it that way, sure it sounds bad but like at that age that's the way that your brain is working i'm like like when when you're like like you're just starting if to you hit. have kids are you gonna homeschool probably and not is it just gonna be like lessons on getting laid well like here's how you get laid <laughs> first off no sugar well i would i would imagine if second, i second learn the guitar right exactly third be rich <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are those are pretty much the the trifecta but um no i mean if i had kids i'd like to think that i'm just starting from a young just because i went through the horror of being a fat kid i i really can't see myself raising fat children just like i i couldn't see my kids making the same mistakes or me make making what mistakes were made with my raising that led me to be it you know like when i was a kid fruit roll-ups used to be a snack yeah like a fruit snack and it was literally plastic you would peel off a piece of plastic from the other plastic that yeah. was fruity and then you would eat the fruity you would eat plastic. the fruity plastic yeah and it's just a roll of that sugar was normal yeah, yeah. or just even if you look at like breakfast cereals like they're great snack like they're great to just eat because they're delicious but the fact that they were part of a balanced breakfast and then with like fucking milk and everybody thinks you need milk you don't fucking need milk no milk it's just basically like steroid juice to turn calves into cows right like what the it's the leftover from like the beef process that we're supposed to be drinking this shit it's insanity um and i've been drinking uh so so i'm all into milk alternatives mainly because like uh yeah what you were just explaining and two 
I'm pretty. I'm not very tolerant of lactose. I would say it got got worse as I Most got older. Aren't. Most aren't. Yeah, you. I everybody is lactose intolerant. Some people intolerant. just keep drinking it. and They're like, I don't know why. I always why? have terrible shit. Yeah, like, my fart, my brain's like, off all the time. <laughs> why? Why am? Why am I in pain? Why am like, I inflamed? You know, mozzarella cheese off their pizza exactly but uh like milk alternatives are i are getting incredible my wife made some hazelnut milk that sounds unreal it was great it was it was fantastic like it gave me exactly the level of creaminess and a little bit of sweetness i i love it I, a, uh, uh, oh. I, I will do half and half in my coffee. Right. But that hazelnut milk was much better. If I if she makes more of that. Uh, I've been buying up. Babe, a... if you're listening to this, <laughs> more hazelnut milk. Also, if you're listening to this, you are very supportive. Holy shit. She's <laughs> not going to listen to this. Of course not. Um, and, <laughs> Can't uh, even get her to come to a show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I've been drinking oat milk lately, and it's like creamier than milk. Yeah. I don't know how they managed to turn oats into milk and, and how it's better. It's, it's the best out of all of them. But... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, going back to, like, the shit that we were drinking, eating and drinking as kids, it's, just, it's fucking insane to me, and I, I'm hoping we're over it. I haven't seen what the average kid is fed today, but, like, the, you know, the, the guys, the, it, it's been pulled off, like, like, the, it's been revealed how fucked up it was, so for, like, a kid to still be eating what was considered the, the standard American diet when we were kids. But the problem is, is, like, it's an addiction. There's still a lot of advertising around it, so even when people know... They still do this shit that they know isn't good for them. I mean, it's the same thing as like the phone addiction. Like we all know, like oh, we should we should shut this thing off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we don't. Like, yeah, it's you true. Know, like we we didn't need that social dilemma documentary. Like, you no, did, God no. Like we knew. All, and all my friends like, would. Oh well, I didn't realize. Yeah. And but what they're doing is they're just posting on fucking Facebook. About yeah. They're like oh, social media is really bad. I'm you're dude. That's such a good fucking point. So many people have posted on Facebook how how uh, they need to, everyone needs to watch the social dilemma. Like, do you not? No, you're it's, not uh, getting it's, it. It's a little bit ironic. Yeah, and almost too on the nose. Like you know, dress it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, a bunch. Of, so I am far and away the most addicted to my phone out of my friends and they hide behind me because they use it a couple hours less a day so they point to me like i have some fucking issue with it but it's like guys you're you have a bad bad addiction i'm just the worst but like they they all my friends were recommending that i watch the thing and i got 15 minutes into it 20 minutes into it whatever it was and i'm like yeah this is pretty known stuff i'm aware of how addicted i am i'm also these things are great at the same time they're they're very fucking cool you know like it's endless entertainment and um like i'm all i'm personally all right with it like i like again i enjoy my life and what i do there's that timer but um but yeah i uh that was hysterical as i'm making that point my phone was like look at me <laughs> <laughs> pay attention to me you've been looking away for 20 minutes <laughs> Um, yeah, but I notice all those like sneaky different ways that apps get you to look at them. Well, it send you these bullshit notifications that just like, oh, I guess I should check on this person's birthday or I think if we want to get people off their phones, what we need to do is convince them, uh, that not being on your phone will get you late. I agree. Right? Like, I agree. That's, 100%. That's we need to do. So yeah. we need like ways for people to get laid that aren't on their phone. Although right now I think the phone has like the best ways for people to get laid. It's really good. It's really yeah, good it's true. Phone. It's got all different pathways of, you yeah. know, te texting. What do you want to have to do? Like talk to somebody? Oh God, you're making me nauseous. Right? Mm. I don't want to, I don't want also. Yeah. That's another thing. Um, the, uh, the in-person scene is just is not there anymore. You can't, yeah, talk. especially you now, right? Can't yeah. meet and talk to people. Even, um, even if you do go to a bar, restaurant, public place, like 
you're kind of locked to your table the way that things work. You can't mm-hmm. like go over to some, you can, but it's just, you're going to look like a terrorist. If you like walk from your table to another person to go like start talking to them. Like I, Oh my God. I, like I joined someone's, I mean, you're going to look like a terrorist no matter what you all do. the time. Right. And that's because <laughs> of my beard, my patchy. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's fucking strange, man. I don't know. Have, have you been adjusting? You don't look like you've gone crazy. No, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'm, uh, you know, but it's, it's tough. I'm, it's, it's been easier on me. It helps that I, you know, uh, enjoy being home. I enjoy, you know, my dogs and my wife and, you know, have space, you know, to do things. And I have been fortunate that there've been outdoor opportunities and, you know, things are going to get tougher in the winter. And, you know, I've been fortunate that, you know, it hasn't affected me, you know, in terms of my career. Um, but you know, not everybody is that lucky. What do you do during the day? I work for a company called Hired, and we do job placements for uh, people in tech careers. So I'm on the sales side. I do like account management. Oh, very cool. I I barely know what that means, but it sounds like uh, I'm a salesperson. Oh, that that makes more sense. Yeah, and I'm really good at it. Is that right? I think so. That's cool. Yeah, I'm really good at everything. I do. Now, <laughs> and I appreciate that confidence. Um, do you find that using do you use like good salesmanship in life outside of actually selling someone something? I don't. Cause that's kind of a superpower. And Here's the you thing: could... I don't, I don't, I don't like think of when I'm doing sales. I'm not like, oh, how am I going to sell somebody on something? For me, it's like all customer service related, and that goes to every part of my life and everything I do. I think there's a, a way that you treat people. I think when you're doing business with someone, you're trying to do your best to take care of their needs and prove value, and that's how I do sales. So I'm not like, you know oh, I'm a clever negotiator. Oh, I can like lure people in. My thing is like when you work with me, you're going to get good treatment and you're hopefully going to enjoy it enough that you want to continue to work with me. And that certainly plays a part in everything I do. That's a really good way to look at things rather than the more uh, shallow, selfish, like we need something from each other. Here's, (laughs) I need your money and you need my product. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's, I, I get turned off very much by people who are salesy or the idea of like what salesy is. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't say like, oh, I'm a salesperson like with pride. I, I, I do a good job because I'm not salesy because, yeah. I, because I'm just, you know, looking out for whoever I'm working with on any project. That's a really good way to look at it, man. And really, I guess if, if you could transfer that over into what, how you're dealing with life, just like, I don't need anything from you. You don't need anything from me. Just like, I'm going to be good to you and however you treat me. Right. Yeah. I mean, people still need things, you know, but you try to give them what they need and, you know, and you're not trying to, you know, hold that over them. You're just, you know, I want all my clients to be successful. I want all my comics to be successful. Uh, and as long as I focus on that, I end up being successful. So I agree, dude. That's, that's how I've always, um, uh, I've, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before, but I have this trifecta I refer to when it comes to like booking a successful show mm-hmm. where it's, um, there's three entities that need to be made whole for a show to go down correctly for it to, for it to happen again, for it to be successful for, you know, uh, it's the audience has to have a great time. Mm-hmm. The comedians have to have a great time and get paid and the venue has to get paid and without like any like serious incident with customers. Those three have to be made whole. You, the booker producer, you keep what's left over. And if that's nothing, or if you're losing $100, great. But if those three entities did well, it's probably going to lead to future success. And yeah. and you're going to carry a good name within the scene. And nobody's really going to have anything bad to say about you because 
everything was done right. Who gives a shit if you didn't if you only made twenty bucks on that show? Next time you're gonna make more. Actually, people have been talking shit about how little you make off your shows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit what you. I was like, yo, Stefano's bad at business. Yeah, exactly. His shows are a lot of fun, right. but I don't think he's made. I think he paid us out of his own pocket. Right, right. <laughs> Which I've actually, I've done, but only because I, as I'm. You're trying to take care of your people. Exactly. I pay yeah. out of my pocket first. I'm. You guys get covered no you gotta matter make what. sure yeah you gotta make sure no, I, I, so so promised. coming to the show i bring the money that they're gonna get paid doesn't matter whatever comes out of the show that's staying with me so so what you're getting paid no matter what happens because i already have the cash in hand you shouldn't be losing money on shows no no god no never have never have <laughs> okay never have once but i i basically allowed it to be a possibility that that's the way that i went about it like if i lost money it's not bad it means i it's just the way I mean, it's comedy right you got to be having fun so as long as you like you know, right now I'm fortunate enough that I'm able to like make some money in comedy. Uh, but you know, I, for a long time did not, I, you know, if I could break even on it, that's a win. Sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd be going out and I'd spend more on drinks than I'd make and you know, that, that's fine, yeah. but it's, it's fun. So, you know, that's the other piece, you know, you need to make sure you're having fun because if everybody's having fun and you're losing money and not having fun, you know, you're not going to keep doing that successful show. Yeah, exactly. No, that that's, a very important piece of the puzzle, right? The whole time, absolutely having fun. Early on, early on, I definitely didn't. I would, I would produce successful shows, right? Everyone gets paid, you know, everyone does well, and I would walk away with some money too. But you would see me during the show and just a nervous wreck. I used to be way more insecure just in general in life, and uh, I, I've had comedians like on the show have been like, "Dude, relax." Look what you did. Look what you put together. Everyone's having a good time. We're all chilling. And I'm over here. I'm not able to like bullshit with the comics. Did you get more worried about the show or about your set? Uh, the show, just in general, just making sure everything went like quote unquote right because I want, I, I have such a, I have such a love for comedy that I never wanted to be a leech. I never wanted to, I really can't stand people who put bad shows into the comedy economy. You know, pe- bad bookers. I was like, fucking quit comedy already. Stop mudding up the water. Stop giving a bad name to comedy. Stop giving a bad name to producers. Stop giving a bad name to comedians. You you are a leech. You are a cancer. You don't belong. And I didn't want to be one of those guys. Wow. I did not want to be you, one of those who guys. Who are those guys? Um, <laughs> are you talking about me? God, no. No, you guys have been nothing but good to... That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I love... Name names. Oh, no, I'm not. That's That's Ooh. not my style. I will let people destroy themselves. Guys, uh, if you listen to my podcast... It's a hustle. We name names. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not the kind of person to call people out. I'm the kind of person to highlight what I think is terrible behavior. And it, you know, if, if you want to continue it, be my guest. Well, but, that, that shit catches up with you. You can't do that shit forever. Um, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it'll, it'll thing it, that pisses me off are the places that like, if they book a comic, they're like, Oh, you can't perform other places. And it's like, who the fuck do you think? Uh, you are? Uh, so is this a union now? Am this, I your employee? Like, You're gonna pay like, me even if I'm not performing. I, I mean, I've heard like people do that locally to like people. They're not even headliners. It's not even their job to like pack a place. And they're like, oh, if you're doing this, you know, if you're doing like uh, Fairfield, you can't do our show. I'm like, that's insane. Like, I, insanity, I want dude. every comic to get as much stage time as they are able to I agree. find for themselves. Yeah. Um, I want them to be able to make as much money. I want to provide some of that. I know I can't provide all of it. Right. Um, you know, it, yeah, baffling to me that there could be, you know, comedy producers who want to prevent comics from working. No, there's some sleaze balls in the scene. I could confidently say I'm not one of them. I never, I know, I, I know for a fact, I never. Name, name. <laughs> Nah, nah, nah. 
I know for a fact I never, uh, I never, you know, anytime I ever made money, my comedians made money. Um, and, uh, yeah. Do any of the people you're referring to have a name that begins with the letter V? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We got the first letter, guys. Absolutely. And Stay you guys, tuned next week and you guys for play, the second letter yeah, of the name. And you guys could play Jeopardy with the re- It's I. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He's giving it all up. We are very close to a name here, people. We are very close to ending this episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he's improving it. No, uh, on that note, I did, uh, I did want to bring us to our close. Uh, so the way I describe this podcast, even if I stopped doing it tomorrow, I would leave it, uh, uh, leave it available for people to listen. So I'd like to think that we speak things into infinity and I ask all my guests to speak something into infinity, something to be remembered by a quote, a piece of advice or, uh, a pass, uh, an ending thought, uh, stage is yours, Joe Garrick's name, name. <laughs> you got more i know you got more than that bro i want my names all i got was vi and then a hint um so like what like words of wisdom whatever man whatever you want in the podcast on i don't care you know what uh life is short nothing is promised uh enjoy yourself and enjoy your people bing bang boom love it plug some stuff whatever your stuff is uh well we mentioned the podcast uh occasionally i give out my cell phone number on that podcast so it's worth going back and listening see if you can find it you're allowed to text me if you find that is that true i encourage it that is insane no one ever does i should hope Uh, not yeah i'd be fine with it (laughs) um no but uh well we've got the fairfield comedy club you know and uh the connecticut comedy festival definitely going to be doing some shows over the next uh few months so you know check out ctcomedyfest.com for updates on that and uh yeah, and make sure you vote on Tuesday uh, for Joe Biden and then vote uh, blue all the way uh, because even if they're not Trump, they're supporting them and we got to get rid of these motherfuckers. <laughs> nice. Uh, as always, guys, you can find me at Bro on Twitter, at Bro 93 on Instagram, at Bro 93 on TikTok. And, uh, of course, follow a good enough podcast on Instagram for all podcast related stuff. I probably should be posting on there a little bit more, but yeah, go follow it. That'll encourage me to get some more uh, content out. Uh, that being said, you said everything you wanted to say today, Joe. Oh, I'm also on Instagram at Joe Garrix. If you like pictures of my dogs and my vans collection. Right, right. Which there are, it's not a fleet of vans. It's vans, the sneaker, right? (laughs) On that note, everybody, uh, drink more water and be nicer to each other. Thank you, sir. This was fun. Yeah.